The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 139 of the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Hey, this week we're having a lovely chat with the delightful Teresa Halverson. Teresa and I are going to go behind the scenes into her debut novel, Warehouse Dreams, a speculative fiction novel that uh, that just came out, and uh, we're going to be talking about that. We're also talking about <laughs> the voices in your head as an author, and that there are no new ideas. Uh, she's going to be telling us about bringing back suspense and the twists with her upcoming story, Riverside Widows, which is really, really cool. It sounds amazing. And, uh, and I pour on some of the love for her podcast that she co-hosts with, uh, with some friends, the Semi-Sages of the Pages podcast, which it's a new-to-me show, but I've uh, come to, I, I listened to, I think, uh, one episode, and about halfway through it, I was sold. It was a great, it's a great show, and, you know, it's, it's a good one for, you know, it's a good one for beginning and experienced authors alike, because these are authors who are brand new in their careers and learning as they go. And that's what they're discussing week in, week out. It's a great show, not part of either one of my networks, but uh, you know how I love to spread the love, so to speak, to lots of shows out there. And uh, yeah, Semi-Sages of the Pages is a great show uh, from this week's guest. So make sure you check that out. There's going to be a link in the show notes. Um, along with everything else, I also learned not to be drinking soda while I'm talking on the podcast. <laughs> I make a little joke to it later on, but oh gosh, you know what? If you're going to do a podcast, I recommend not having something sugary and it gets those lip smacks and uh, really kind of messes with you. But suffice to say, I have, uh, you'd think after almost 140 episodes, I would have learned my lesson, but don't go anywhere. All of this and more is coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, as for me, I, I don't think I ever got to update you on how my word goals are going this year. I set a goal of 200,000 words for the uh, for the year. And obviously, uh, I think I shared a little bit with you that the year started off with a bang, but then it's, it slowly died down and uh, hasn't been going that great up until July. My vacation really helped kick it off. I got really got my batteries recharged and uh, July was really good. I wrote 15,000 words in uh, July. August, though turned out to be my best month of the year uh, with 23,000 words, which put me over that 100,000 word for the year. So I'm a little behind. I'm Right now I'm at 110,000 as of the end of August. I don't count the month until the month is over. So I am a little bit behind, but, you know, with four months to go, I mean, that means what? I need I need four more months at uh, around that 22,000, 23,000 word mark, and I'll hit my goal of 200,000. I'm really excited about it. I think uh, I'm going to nail that uh, that word count, and I do plan on doing NaNoWriMo again this year, so that's going to be, I'm going to be putting in a bunch of words come November, so, uh, you know, side note, if you are a NaNoWriMo writer and you're planning on doing that this upcoming November, look me up, uh, Jason A. Meiske, it's spelled M-E-U-S-C-H-K-E, 
look me up. Add me as a buddy. I'll be happy to uh, prove that, and then we can root each other on. I just added a whole bunch of friends here recently with the Mondo Method podcast and the Mondo Method writing sprints. Uh, we all work together, cheering each other on every Sunday. So, yeah, go on in there and find me on NaNoWriMo and add me as a buddy. I'll be happy to cheer you on. And suffice to say, I do all of this writing on Scrivener, my favorite writing software. That's called a segue, by the way, in podcast terms. <laughs> yes, that is my sponsor for the week again. I've been with us for a while, quite a while now, and I really love having them as a sponsor just as much as I love having their software. All the different tools on there. I'm still, I'm still a newbie. Like, I still don't know how to run some of the things that they, this thing can do because you know, the advantage of doing the show, getting to talk to other authors who do work with Scrivener and they say, oh yeah, and how about this? When you do that, I'm going, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I, still, even with my basic knowledge of Scrivener, I have a blast. I use it every day. I love the way I can break down my chapters. I can break down all my characters. I have everything right there on uh, in one pane that I can access it really, really easy. And and I, I have can and have in the past moved chapters around very easily. So there's no scrolling and looking for where you left off. It's all right there available in Scrivener. Hey, check out this advertisement and uh, make sure you pay attention to how you can save 20% on the regular desktop version. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. Thank you once again to Scrivener. I love, love, love that software. And I know if you want to give it a try, you're going to love it as well. I also want to give a shout out and a special thanks to my first podcast network that I became a part of over a year ago. The Pop Goes the Culture Network, their flagship show, Pop Goes the Culture Podcast, just came back on the air about two weeks ago, and uh, they are back at it. They do their cast channel every Thursday night, so make sure you get over to their website and check it out. You can find out how you can interact with them live every Thursday evening with the show. But they also are home to, uh, well, actually, they've been growing here lately. They are now home to about 10 other shows, I believe. Uh, including The Backlot by Elmo Drafthouse, The Way Awesome Show, Fanatics and the Fan, Two Dads Review, The Amazing Nerd Show, Fellowship of the Geeks, Don't Push It Podcast, The Multiverse Tonight, and My Drunk Movie Theater, which I just I just learned that as I'm reading it. So that's a new podcast to me. I'm going to have to check that one out. <laughs> oh my goodness. See, I'm right there with you all. I'm learning things as well. But uh, all this and more right there in the show links. So you can click the link for the uh, Pop Goes Culture Network website and you can find all of those shows. It's everything you need for everything pop and geek culture right there at your fingertips. So go tickle your ears and listen to something from Pop Goes Culture. I also want to thank my other 
podcast network that I joined earlier this year, the Project Entertainment Network, home to about 35 different shows, shows like Vicious Whispers, The Hard at Work Show, Under the Shroud, The Unsupervised Podcast, Madness Heart Radio, Library at the End of the World, A Glint of Mischief, The Unafraid Podcast, Alien Beer, (laughs) Paleo Cheese, and The Nightmare Feed. (laughs) Oh, and of course the new one, The Baseball Writers Podcast. Oh my gosh. Some of these, you know, it's funny because I listen to every podcast on the two networks. I check them all out at least once or twice. Uh, at the very least, if not subscribing, but some of the names I just forget about and they just crack me up as I'm reading it. But uh, I do know that the uh, the Baseball Writers Podcast is a brand new one that just started here recently and uh, is, is really, really cool. So first, check out this advertisement for one of those great shows and then click that link in the show notes so you can find out more about what Project Entertainment Network has to offer. Hi, everyone. I'm Jay, host of the Unafraid Podcast. On Unafraid, I share stories from the queer community that help us to grow, learn, and understand that while we are all different, there is an immeasurable beauty in that diversity. The Unafraid podcast is my labor of love, and I want to share that love with you. New stories are aired each week, so you can check out Unafraid on your podcast distributor right now. Thank you to Project Entertainment Pop Goes the Culture for allowing us to be a part of both of those special, special networks. Hey, make sure that you are following both of those networks on social media, uh, as well as us. Uh, We are the Sample Chapter Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and now on Instagram. Uh, We are (laughs) learning our way through it. I'm still trying to figure out how to post regularly on there and how to to share that, but, uh, you know, we're learning it, and uh, make sure you're following us there. If you want to reach out to me, you can do so at SampleChapterPodcast at gmail.com, or you can drop me a voicemail at 660-851-1146. And uh, yeah, as always, if you leave me a voicemail or some kind of a shout out somewhere, I will make sure to play that or uh, call it out on the next show. Hey, without further ado, let's get on over to our wonderful conversation with speculative fiction author and podcast host, Teresa Halverson. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Sample Chapter Podcast. This week, we are heading back out to sunny California, where we seem to have a lot of author guests recently. This week, we are speaking with Teresa Halverson. Teresa is the author of The Dad's Playbook to Labor and Delivery and countless articles on pregnancy, birth, and parenting. But while her nonfiction pays the bills, her true love is speculative fiction, showcased in her debut novel, Warehouse Dreams, came out here in July. She is also a voracious reader, loves interacting with other writers, and helps to produce the writing podcast, Semi-Sages of the Pages. Welcome to the show, Teresa. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I am excited to have you here. And I, I, admittedly, I've only been able to listen to one episode of the show so far, but I really like the format and, and you've got a new listener. Oh, awesome. Yay! <laughs> I, I especially love writing podcasts where we're learning along with the, uh, the podcaster, the, the author. Yeah. So that's a great format. Yeah. We're really excited about it because um, we're starting off our careers as writers and we wanted to share 
with uh, other people that are just starting off their careers what what it takes to begin. Um, I think we've all attended uh, seminars and webinars now and Zoom conferences with very established writers who will say, well, you know, my book was optioned for the fifth time and it shall be coming out in a TV show. And <laughs> none of us are at that point. We're, we're still being like, so Goodreads, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Should we be using it? What's BookBub? Um, so we're, yeah, yeah we're, we're all at that point of trying to figure figure out um, what to do. Um, one of our most recent podcasts, uh, Sarah Faxon talks about a mistake that she made very early in her writing career. So we are very open about the mistakes we're making and what's working for us and what's not working. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I, I love, like I said, I love that format. I love the honesty. And I think it's, I think it's going to really bring in a lot of listeners. Um, the aspiring authors who are interested in knowing that they're not alone. Right, exactly. No, you are not alone. <laughs> yes. I mean, come on, everybody. I am still like, I'm still right there with you. I'm still only with one book. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I know I've been telling everybody for the last year it's coming out, but it will be soon. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, we're all in the same group or with uh, still learning to be authors. Exactly. Exactly. So how are you doing? Are you staying healthy amidst the uh, the pandemic? Yeah, I am staying healthy. I actually work in uh, healthcare. Uh, so those early weeks uh, when COVID was hitting was um, very, very challenging. I was working 10 and 12 hour days as we were trying to figure out the information that was coming to us. Um, so I can promise you... Um, Wear your mask, wash your hands, use hand sanitizer, and try to stay away from crowds. It, it does work. Um, we are seeing it work because healthcare workers aren't getting sicker than uh, anybody else, and we have more exposure. Oh, great information. Great information. I love to hear that. It's nice to hear from, from the people out there working in it and amongst it and hearing that, uh, you know, that what we're doing is working. So It great. is. Good yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Masks are not comfortable and staying home is no fun, but it is working. So keep doing it. <laughs> now, how are you doing? Um, you know, I, I'm sorry about Comic-Con, but how are you coping with that? Oh, <laughs> that was heartbreaking. Oh my gosh. My husband and I have been to Comic-Con. This would have been our 10th year. Oh, wow. um, yeah, so it's it's a big deal for us. We have a lot of friends that come in, um, to, come into town, come into San Diego. Uh, we've had friends that stay with us for the days prior. And, it, you know, it's all just a big party. Um, and so it was just so sad not to be able to see them, not to be able to, you know, hit that exhibit floor. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, you're it's you're kind of penguin walking because you're so smushed in with people. But there's <laughs> so much awesome art and books and comics and video games and everything that's out there. Um, you know, you get no sleep whatsoever. You're uh, eating horribly. You know, BarCon is mm. like, you know, the, the, the favorite thing to do. You're like, how many drinks did I have last night? Um, <laughs> um, but it, it's so much fun. And, and it was so heartbreaking not to have it. Um, you know, WonderCon was another huge loss. I love WonderCon, um, sometimes more than Comic-Con because it's a little bit more mellow. Uh, but oh. WonderCon's always in uh, March or April in LA in the Anaheim Convention Center. So, yeah, really miss WonderCon this year. Oh, and, my goodness. Yeah. 
Yeah, I uh, I went to Planet Comic Con in Kansas City, uh, which is like an hour away from me, and I went last year, and had a great time. Took my kids and just kind of like let them. They're all teenagers and older, and uh, let them run around while I went around and uh, spoke with authors and other creators and kind of put myself out there as the podcaster and, and connected with one of my networks that I'm with there and had a great time and and I was looking forward to it. So this year. I had been signed up. I was going to be running a few or heading up a, uh, a panel or two, uh, at least oh. one. So I was really looking forward to it. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And I had my, you know, my, like I said, my second book was supposed to be out just before that. And then the world changed and planet got canceled. And uh, oh. it's just been like, it's just been kind of one thing after another. And, <laughs> and of course, my book is still not out. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so maybe it worked out in the end. I think so. I mean, it's, you know, it's hard to, whenever I'm like, I'm editing it now and it's hard when I'm looking at it and I'm fixing something that I see now. It's like, would I have seen that back in March when I was pushing hard to get it done? I don't know. But. Yeah, yeah. Editing, um, man, I, I swear, and with warehouse dreams too. And no book, even if it's traditionally published, is error free. And but it's mm-hmm. so hard when I I read that book. My editor read that book. I must have read it a hundred times. Um, my editor, you know, read it a hundred times too. And there's still a couple little things that are missing. A couple little quotation marks. A couple little commas. And I'm all, dang it. <laughs> You know, kind of as you alluded to, that's one of the beauties of indie authors, uh, being an indie author, is that we can go back and edit that and then re-upload the new file and bingo, all good to go. And then, you know, somebody who might have made a uh, comment about that and they're like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. It's not there anymore. It's, it's I don't, I, I don't even, can you like give me the page number? Oh, it's not there anymore. How weird. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to change it every time. And then I realized, nope, that was happening too much. So I, I just kind of put all it all collected into one page and then did a big update uh, like a year ago and went from there. Good for you. That's good. Otherwise it's too tedious. It is. Oh my gosh. Yes. So fix a few things and, and go from there. So uh, tell us about Warehouse Dreams. How did this come about? So depending on how you look at Warehouse Dreams. So I wrote a different, a very different version of Warehouse Dreams about 10 years ago um, and then put it down because I hated it. I hated the ending. I was like, maybe I need to do a point of view shift. I don't know anymore. So I put it down. And then about two years ago, I said, you know what really made me happy was writing. I really should like think about going back and doing that. And I committed to like, okay, I'm going to take this really seriously. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to finish um, that book. It was called, uh, it was called Dreams in the Burrow. Um, and I went back and I reread it and I said, oh my gosh, this thing is terrible. Um, but it has a couple, a couple little good things with it. So I kept a couple characters names um, and I kept I didn't even keep the setting. Um, I basically kept the characters' names and I gutted the entire thing. Um, So uh, it's really a brand new book that I worked on for the last two years. So it's unique. Um, It's about the faculty at a school for teenage telepaths and psychokinetics. Uh, So a lot of people go, oh, it's Harry Potter. No, no, it's not. It's not Harry Potter. Um, This is about this is about the faculty. Um, and, uh, 
If Phillips Academy for the Advancement of Wilds, which is nicknamed the Warehouse, is a uh, very challenged uh, place. Uh, it is very uh, financially unstable. It's at, it's at constant risk of closing. And the faculty all work, you know, 50, 60, 70 hours. Uh, they're all exhausted. They live there. And they're working with teenagers, which is hard enough. But on top of that, these teenagers are what's called wilds. And they have um, uncontrolled abilities of telepathy and psychokinesis. And society is really like, yeah, we don't want these guys around us. Um, we we kind of want to institutionalize them. And, oh, look, they made it to adulthood. Yeah, you don't get a job. Um, you don't get... You don't get housing, uh, you don't get loans for college or anything else. So um, it's a very unique society. And then on top of that, these teenagers, it, it's like they suddenly wake up one day and they're like, holy cow, I can read minds. That's not a good thing. And so they don't have any control over their abilities too. So, you know, imagine that you're sitting at dinner with your child and your child goes, oh my gosh, you got into a fight with your boss. Are you going to get fired? And the only way they know that is because they read your mind. Would you really, I mean, what would you think about your teenager at that point? You'd mm. kind of be a little scared of them. Um, yeah. So, you know, as a society, what does society do? Well, you know, human beings being human beings are probably going to go, yeah, no, we, we just don't want to be around you anymore. So the school is trying to fill in that gap, trying to teach these kids how to control their abilities um, and then either learn how to hide so that they can become successful members of society um, or at least teach them kind of some tricks so that they can try to make a living in the future. So um, there's a lot of hope in it, too. Um, the hummingbird, uh, which is what is on the cover, is a really important symbol of hope um, because the, these, these faculty are fighting so hard for these kids. They are trying so hard to create a new future for them. So the hummingbird kind of is throughout. My main character's name is Kendall. She's a really fun character. Um, she, has, she has some depression and some anxiety problems, which kind of pops up constantly. And as the story continues, she becomes more and more at odds with her boss, the director. Um, she, she really sees things on the individual level for her students on, I don't care what's wrong with this child, we have to help them. Whereas the director sees uh, the school in its entirety of, you know what, we've got kids here that are not safe to have around us and that we can't teach control and that maybe we need to not have here anymore. So Kendall and her director are really at odds throughout. Um, and then just to add more fun to it too, um, Kendall uh, gets the opportunity to fall in love with one of the other teachers, a new teacher at the school too. So she has to kind of navigate that feeling of, I didn't want this, I didn't mean to fall in love, and I have, so what does that mean? So it's okay. fun. It's a really fun, complex book. Yeah, it sounds like it. Sounds like it. Sounds very fascinating. Yeah, what, what was your uh, your genesis for it? What was the idea originally for there? How'd you come to this? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I, um, you know, we were, we were joking on um, one of the, the semi-sage podcasts, you know, one of the, the popular questions that authors get asked is where do you get your ideas? And I always have to answer, I have no idea. They just come to me. Um, I mm -hmm. never have an idea problem. I have, um, 
a, a Google Docs that I keep open on my phone all the time because I'm constantly like, oh, what about this? And what about this? And I drive my poor husband crazy because I'll look at people and I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going on with them. And I can like plan out a whole short story based on just seeing people. Um, so yeah, I have no idea where this came <laughs> from. But that's the beauty of being an author, though, is to take something, uh, you know, like you said, people watching and making up your own story on, you know, based on that, uh, somebody's interactions, or for me, I've got a, another story that I'm writing in the process of, and it, the easy answer is to say, oh, it was a dream, but really it was a snippet. It was like one little yeah. bit of a dream that I remember, uh, just like one little glance in this dream. And that led to questions. And then from there, it was the questions that led to the story. Mm -hmm. Me trying to understand, well, what would that be? What would it mean? And how would this, how would you react to this? And next thing you know, it's like, oh yeah, I'm writing this story based on that. But it, it's the beauty of being an author. Yeah. And it's the best feeling in the world when you're, you're writing or you're typing and the, it's just pouring out. Um, and mm, you, yes. you don't question it. You just, it's just there and you have all this wonderful, and I hesitate to use the word voices in your head, but it kind of is, it's like voices in your head and visuals and, um, you, it just comes out of you. And then you read it later and you go, who wrote this? This is terrible, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's enough. And then you start tugging it apart, um, in your, in your, uh, revisions. And then a couple months later, a couple years later, depending on it, you, you have a full on story there that came from only you and yeah. it's incredible. It's an incredible rush. It, it really is. It really is. And I, one of the things I really find unique as well is, I know like early in my career and even before I even came out with my first book, I was always worried about like, oh, do I want to tell people or announce, hey, here's what the book is about. Uh, because, you know, we always had that that fear that, well, you know, somebody might steal my idea. Mm. Now, I don't care. I'm just like, because I've seen so many authors who essentially they're writing the same stories when you break it down, but they're so different at the same time. And I've, yeah. I've, I've heard of so many stories, too, that, yeah, here's an author in California and somebody in New York and somebody in Europe. And all three of them had just because of the ether in the universe, call it what you will. But they all wrote the same essential book where the same type of thing is happening, but they're completely different as far as how it's written, because we're all different. And so exactly. I, I love that, too. Exactly. In this day and age, there's no new ideas. And, and again, you see that sometimes with people who say, I want to be a writer, but I think all my ideas have been taken. Well, yeah, they have been. So write what you want to write and write it your way. That's what's going to make it unique. Exactly. Exactly. And by the way, there are not very many books out there about telepaths and psychokinetics. So if y'all want to start <laughs> writing them, I'm kind of lonely here. So help me out. <laughs> <laughs> make sure you get a couple of those uh number one bestseller tags before you know too many others jump in yeah so. that's true that's true I, I need to be the number one bestseller first yes, there you go, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh great so now i and I, you may have said this and i missed it but is this going to be part of a series it is going to be part of a series yes oh, and in yes. fact um if you guys see uh, my, my reviews on Amazon and Goodreads, that's the number one question. Um, so yes, there is one coming. Um, I actually have the 
the, a very rough draft written and it's in timeout for misbehaving. Um, <laughs> but, but I know where I'm going with it. I know what the character arcs are gonna be. So it's gonna, it's gonna fall into place now. Wonderful. All right, fantastic. Well, I can't wait uh, to hear when that's gonna come out. You're gonna have to let us know so that we oh, can yeah. share it with people as well and tell them that the sequel is available. Yeah, I'm, I'm aiming for early 2021. Okay, well, that's a, it's not bad. So yeah. you had July, so six months later. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. that's my goal. <laughs> so now you've also got a, a very unique uh, secondary novel with the Dad's Playbook to Labor and Delivery, which I did not have 20 some years ago when my first was born. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a nonfiction book uh, for men about how to support a laboring woman. Um, prior to my, my current life, um, I was a doula. So I would go, I would get hired by couples um, and I would go in and help during birth. So with breathing and massages and cool compresses and just kind of taking the pressure off of partners. Um, and then I became a childbirth educator. So uh, when, you know, when, when you get pregnant in the hospital, your doctor's like, hey, you should sign up for childbirth classes. I was one of those teachers. Um, yeah. And so out of that and out of a lot of the interactions I had with the men, um, I went ahead and wrote uh, the dad's playbook to labor and birth. So to, to help men out because it, it can be really intimidating. Um, and and the, the great thing about that book is a lot of books out there are written with the goal being that uh, the, the woman would have a natural birth, so a drug-free birth or a drug-free as possible. And the Dad's Playbook to Labor and Birth doesn't like that. It actually talks about um, w what happens if she wants to go natural, what happens if she wants an epidural, because there's still a lot that you need to do as a partner at home or while she's waiting for the epidural too, that can kind of help her be a little bit more comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and it helps men participate a little more in the birth too, because there's a lot you guys can do to help. Uh, yeah, I think that would have been helpful for me because my first daughter, she was two months preemie and my wife had been in labor for like 24 hours oh. uh, before finally reaching that point where they, they were like, okay, yeah, she's gonna be able to have natural birth because the baby's so small. Uh, but she needed that, that uh, epidural mm -hmm. and uh, they didn't, I think like they didn't have the uh, people on hand to help out. So you're like, all right, dad, hold on to, hold on to mom and don't make her, don't let her move. You know, we're going to be putting this in her back. And so I'm like freaking out. I'm like, okay. Aww. Yes, sir. You know, I'm saluting. Yes, I've got her. She's not going to move. Don't worry. And I'm like worried that that needle's going to like stray and paralyze her. And Aww. she's going, Jason, I can't breathe. Stop it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I had to back off a little bit. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Like, yeah. Don't, don't strangle your wife. So, uh, but yeah, that was that was a uh, <laughs> crazy, but uh, yeah, memorable a uh, couple of days we had back. Uh, oh gosh, twenty five years ago. Oh wow. Like but, <clears throat> but yeah, it would have been helpful. I think uh, if I, I I remember reading like the classic. Uh, child uh, books you know but I don't remember there being one specifically for dad so this is great yeah there there aren't there, there's been more over the years that book uh the dad's playbook was published in uh 2012 so there's been more over the years but uh yeah um there there aren't a ton out there what is river city beginnings oh so oh did you pull that off my website I did 
<laughs> okay. So um, that there's a title change coming to that. And I actually just changed that title. So that is going to be River City Widows. Ooh. And um, that one, that one I should have out before the end of the year. Uh, and that's a really fun haunted house book about um, a widow whose stepdaughter comes home from college. Surprise, I'm home from college. You know, I flunked <laughs> out. I kind of need some help here. And um, she starts playing with a Ouija board and accidentally stirs up a ghost that's been hanging out in the house. Um, so there's ghost hunters that are involved and it's a romance. Um, so there's also a hunky neighbor that, <laughs> uh, that uh, Tasia has to figure out her feelings about. So it's a really fun one. It's, it's really spooky at my beta. I've had a couple beta readers that are like, I had to stop reading it because it was dark out and I got scared. So. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's got, it's got like that premise of uh, so many eighties and nineties movies. I remember watching. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I've always wanted to write a, a haunted house book because I, I always feel like the best part of horror movies is kind of the lead up the like you know when it's like that door creaks open and you're like "Ooh, what's behind that door and it's all shadowy and you know you hear footsteps mm -hmm. um paranormal activity had it down perfectly oh where gracious. you didn't know what was what was going on and it was so simple the things the things that were happening to that couple were so simple and so terrifying Mm -hmm. um, and I, I find those those type of horror movies and books much more frightening than like, you know, here's the killer drenched in blood. Blah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I thought that's what my first one would be was is much more the uh, the scream queen, the uh, the Jason, you know, running mm -hmm. around with a knife kind of thing. I thought maybe that's what I would go with and realized real quickly that I don't like that. <laughs> I, I want an actual storyline with some twists and turns and, and go from there. Right, right. And um, River City Widows has a really, really good, and about the third act has a really good twist to it that um, all, all of my beta readers have been like, I didn't see that coming, but it suddenly makes sense. So- um, Oh, what a compliment. Yeah. I nice. know, I was so happy when, when they were all like, ooh, oh my gosh, that was so awesome. <laughs> um, so, and I won't spoil it, but yeah. None of them saw it coming. Well, one of them kind of did. She was like, I saw some of her comments and she was like, I wonder, maybe you need to go in this direction. And I'm like, ooh, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. I love it. Well, uh, so, and you said that'll be out here in the next uh, few months or before the mm -hmm. end of the year? Great. Yep, before the end of the year. All right. Well, again, likewise, let us know when that's ready as well so we can help pass it on and, and let everybody know. Absolutely. And thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Teresa, this has been wonderful. This has been a, a lot of fun talking with you. I've really enjoyed having you here. Where can people find and follow you? So they can find me as uh, so you can buy my books on Amazon. Um, you can find me on uh, Facebook, Teresa Halverson author. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Teresa H author, my website, Teresa H author. Uh, let's see, I'm on Pinterest, Teresa H author. I'm on Smashwords, I'm on BookBub, and I'm on Goodreads. So um, pretty much just Google me and I'm there. All right, perfect. And we will definitely have links to all of that in the show notes. Teresa, thank you again for coming on the show and reaching out to me. I love, love, love 
having you here. This has been a lot of fun for me. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's my pleasure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so that means it's time for me to step aside with uh, probably something other than Coca-Cola, because you all don't know, but I've been having problems throughout the show. I've edited that out. So, uh, But I'm going to step aside <laughs> with something clean to drink, like some water. And we're going to listen to our guest today, Teresa Halverson with Warehouse Dreams. All right, here we go. Chapter one. I screwed up horribly, like going to lose my job screwed up. I looked around my director's office at Phillips Academy for the advancement of Wilds. My hands left sweaty imprints in her desk. I pulled them into my lap, lacing the fingers together to keep them from shaking. Hell, since I lived at my job, I'd be homeless too. I'd lose friendships, the roof over my head, and the most rewarding work I'd ever done. Holy mother of God, how could I have been so stupid? I'm on the girl, Daniel thought. She's in the cafeteria. In the kitchen. She's raiding the walk-in for gone. She's messing with us. Daniel's mental voice was thick with his southern roots. I know. My voice was creaky. I tried again. I know you wanted me to stay put, I said to my director, Miriam. She sat, curled in her comfortable chair, her eyes closed to focus on the conversation in her head. But can I please go look for her? Miriam nodded, a single movement, and I teleported to the school grounds, searching for the child. I rubbed my aching chest, my fingers shaking. Maybe I was having a heart attack. That was possible, right? People under 40 could have heart attacks. Maybe if I had one, I wouldn't get fired. Any idea where she went, I asked Daniel. She's back in the cafeteria, he thought, pinging to the pantry, the snack shelves, the walk-in fridge. Never seen anyone teleport so fast. We're going to find her halfway through a wall. Miriam's thoughts sounded tired. Hell of a way to be woken up. A sigh echoed through Daniel's honey-colored shields. How old is she? Miriam asked. Telepathy wasn't a strong gift for her, and her normally magenta shields, her mental protection from other telepaths, were gray around the edges. Around 12, I answered, sweat trickling down my back. It was summertime in Chicago, and even at midnight, humidity hung thick in the city. I doubt she's only 12, Daniel snapped. She has too much control. The girl is deaf, I snapped back. She might be older, wasn't like we did a full introduction or anything. I was pretty sure the girl was deaf. I hoped she was deaf. I mean, not that I wanted someone to be disabled, but I hoped I hadn't misread the situation that much. I sighed, a quick puff of air in the night. It didn't matter whether or not she was deaf. I'd brought home an unknown and potentially dangerous wild with teleporting skills beyond that of any adult. Who was stealing everything she could get her hands on and no one could catch her? There was no way I'd fix this. I was done. Where is she now? I asked Daniel. I'm watching her teleport all of the snacks from the cafeteria, he thought. I wonder where she's hiding them. I'm going to. Hell, she must have sensed me. Jumped away again. She's probably trying to find a place to eat. I used my gift to scan the school grounds for this girl's thoughts. She had to be somewhere. I got the impression she was hungry and hurt, scared and confused. And deaf, Daniel thought. That's a hell of a perfect grift. She played you, and we don't have the money to replace all the stuff she's stealing. She can't get out, I responded. The wall will stop her. I wished my chest would stop hurting so I could think. I'd never, ever misread the situation so horribly before. I mean, after 15 years working with wild teens, I knew how to read them without actually reading their thoughts, because no one wants to see the thoughts of teenagers. If I was her, Daniel thought, his shields glittering, I'd be panicking, 
realizing I couldn't get out. My next step would be to hack into the transport pad or try to get the gate open. I'm gonna wake the rest of the faculty, Miriam thought. They need to pair up and go building by building and room by room to find her. Miriam's voice changed slightly as she opened a mental channel to all the adults living at Phillips Academy for the Advancement of Wilds, nicknamed the warehouse. All staff meet in the admin conference room immediately. I pulled myself out of the channel, blocking out the sleepy telepathic questions and the explanations from those already awake. Kendall, please come back to my office. With a sigh, I teleported to Miriam's office and stood in front of her desk, my hands behind my back. Miriam fished around in a drawer and pulled out a bottle of painkillers. Her magenta shields were now threaded with gray. She was a second generation bred, back when the geneticists were still figuring out how to manipulate the genetic codes of unborn babies for the parents who could afford it. Miriam's parents had given her intelligence, a take charge personality, beautiful aquamarine eyes, and psychokinesis as her primary gift. Miriam's telepathic gift was weaker as her parents hadn't had much money left from it. It was a mistake the geneticists had learned from. Now parents chose equally strong psychokinetic and telepathic gifts. Those who couldn't afford both didn't have gifted kids. She was angry with me. I could just see it in the emotion under the surface of her shields. What was I going to do without the warehouse? Without my home, my work. I loved my tiny apartment and beat up office. Loved the daily chaos and juggling all the mismatched pieces of the warehouse together so the other teachers could focus on helping the wilds. And I loved my coworkers. We were each other's family. Every day was hard and stressful, but I was grateful to be here. A glass with two fingertips of amber fluid appeared on the desk in front of me. I sniffed. Whiskey. Blech. I much preferred gin. Sit down, Miriam said, and drink it. She took off her glasses and polished them on her pajama pants. No thanks, I said. You're having an anxiety attack. Miriam held her glasses up to the light, made a face, and polished them again. Am not. And with that, I could add immaturity to the things I'd done wrong tonight. You're pale and literally shaking, Miriam said. The water in my vase is moving, which means you're leaking and losing control of your gift. If you don't calm down, you're going to shatter the vase. I haven't done that in years. I never knew why liquids were the first thing my gift latched onto when I was emotional. Drink, she said, or I'll have the RN give you a sedative. It's going to be a long night, and I need you to be at your prime. Why? And did I still have a job? Because you're our strongest teleporter, I might need you to catch that child. Somehow, that made me feel better. I wasn't going to get fired on the spot, at least. I didn't sit down, but I picked up the glass and tossed down the whiskey, choking and sputtering at the hated burn. But the knot in my chest loosened, and when I wiped my hands on my jeans, they didn't grow damp again. The water in the vase was smooth. I could do this. I could prove I was valuable and Miriam shouldn't fire me, right? I hadn't even been written up, except for that one time Miriam almost expelled me my second. I slammed the door on my meandering thoughts. This wasn't helping. I took some deep breaths, grounding myself in this reality. I counted five things I could see, the green lamp on Miriam's desk, the wilting marigolds, the pattern of browns and blues on the visitor's couch, the rip in the brown pergo flooring, and my own muddy sneakers. I moved on to four things I could hear, the hum of an air conditioner, my thumping heart, voices outside on the pathway between the admin and dorm warehouses, and a dog barking in the inner city surrounding our school. My heart slowed and my brain kicked back in. We needed to find a wild teen before morning. All right.
right. That was Teresa Halverson reading a sample chapter from her debut speculative fiction novel, Warehouse Dreams. It's a fantastic novel. I just picked it up myself and uh, I'm getting ready to dive into it. So thank you so much to Teresa for sending that over. Make sure you click the link in the notes so you can grab a copy for yourself and find and follow Teresa with all the links that we have available for her. Uh, make sure you're also checking out her show and all of our podcast friends and sponsors. Also, they're in the show notes below. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss out next week when I'm back with a brand new author, a new book, and an all-new sample chapter. Take care, everybody. Hope you're doing well, and uh, we'll talk again real soon. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.